Hey, everyone. It's been a big news week. And if you haven't been paying attention, there has been some pretty major shakeups, both in the startup world as well as the crypto world. We've seen Meta and their unprecedented number of layoffs in their company, as well as Elon Musk and all that crazy that's following him on Twitter. And so one of the major crypto exchanges, FTX, that has actually collapsed this week. So these are all fallouts of the current economic climate. And it's favoring, a, I guess, a looming recession. Welcome to Tech Uncensored. And this is our weekly live event where we're going to be talking about the current economic climate and its impact on investors and startups. My name is Hesse Jones, and I am privileged to be joined today by Paul Barter, who is our advisor, our strategist. He's an investor. He's also Altitude, Altitude Accelerator's entrepreneur and resident, and he'll provide us his thoughts on this topic. I'm also happy to present, while I add them all, Pam Banks, who is our executive director at Altitude Accelerator, as well as Sam Hussein, who is our venture services manager. So welcome, everyone, to today's LinkedIn Live. Hello. Good morning, Essie. Good morning. Okay, so let's start with the first question. Paul, I'm going to direct this to you because this, if we are in a recession, people are saying here are the major instigators, like you have people being laid off. We, we say COVID was one of the things that instigated this recession. We said Ukraine was. So com some of the common elements that actually define a recession don't compute. Unemployment did rise. But yet we're still adding jobs to the economy. In the U.S., that we added 260,000 jobs last month. Canada, 108,000. Unemployment stayed fairly steady. And employers are, are continuing to hire despite the inflation. So do you say, would you say that this is a bit of an anomaly and maybe this was a manufactured recession? I'm not sure if I'd use the word manufactured recession, but a, it is absolutely an anomaly. It's one of the most distinct times in history. We do have inflation, significant inflation in uh, Canada and probably more importantly in the U.S. and the rest of the world. We're bumping into 10% annual inflation in some of those markets. Um, and the inflation for a number of reasons, some of them are real-time, the Ukraine issue as well. But so probably the most important reason we have inflation is we've had free money for for a long time now and free money, literally zero interest rates. And when you have free money, you spend it, right? Individuals spend it on things like real estate. And so you get bubbles in real estate Firms spend it on things like acquisitions, uh, or trying to grow into new markets that are yet profitable. So they make bets because it doesn't cost them anything to make a bet. But when interest rates go up to counter inflation, all of a sudden those bets start to cost money. And they look at the, those bets and they cut expenses. I remember having this discussion with Pam and you were talking to somebody who had his own thoughts about whether or not this indeed was an anomaly. What are your thoughts on that, Pam? So Hesse, I talked to a few people that are investors and also money managers about what's happening from a market perspective and what the predictions were looking forward to 2023. And they definitely said, you know, we're heading for a slowdown. The length of time that they're not sure of, but they said this sort of adjustment has already happened in, in the, from an investment perspective. So we're maybe seeing the front end of it now happening in the tech sector. When you think of what's happened in the last week with Meta, Twitter, and others. So 
we may still be adding jobs and portions of the economy that aren't there yet, that maybe haven't felt the slowdown. So I think we're kind of, we're in a leading kind of position when you think about the tech industry, because we're, we may be leaders in other segments of the economy that maybe aren't there yet. So there definitely is this sort of explosion that's about to happen from an inflation perspective and what's happening also with interest rates. So if we think about tech feeling first, what's our opportunity? If there's still this lag between what's happened to the tech sector and what's happening to the rest of the economy, what are some of the opportunities from an entrepreneur or founder's perspective? That's actually a good point. We're going to deal with that a little bit later. So let's turn to the tech industry. This is a good segue. This is what we're seeing. There were massive valuations last year. And what we're seeing is now some of these companies are actually finally coming home to roost. Not only have we seen shutdowns in much of the tech sector, now we're seeing this week and last week some significant effects of that of that massive funding round. Meta laid off an unprecedented 11,000 employees. We saw what Elon Musk is doing and continues to do to the Twitter platform after its big layoff and is on a hiring freeze. So my question to you guys is that it seems like big tech is the one that that's taking the brunt of the, I guess, the bat when it comes to this economic downturn. By all indications, is this actually a good time to be in the tech space? So, Paul, what, why don't you start? Well, I'll make a couple of comments. First of all, Meta laid off 11,000 people, which gets them back to their headcount level of early last year. So they were hiring at an unprecedented level for net new bets, largely their metaverse bets, their VR bets, which were not part of their existing revenue stream, right? So it, it was a bet on the future or a kind of new technologies to be adopted in the future. And they were betting ahead of the game. And again, because of free money, they were able to do that. So, so they actually haven't cut their headcount level back to where it was a decade ago. They cut it back to where it was earlier last year. So. Yes, a big number and unfortunate if you're one of those people, but low perspective there in that conversation. It's not just the big tech companies. So the big five have, have, have frozen or laid off some folks. The next 20 have also done the same thing and their stock valuations are down a lot. And so this is, we see this in every economic downturn, you get a regression to the mean, right? You get companies that were, valuations were getting ahead of the curve. We saw it in Canada, you know, back in the day with Mortel and, and Research in Motion. If you go back a decade or two decades ago, there was those types of companies that were ahead of the curve and you regress to the mean. And that the reality is we've got a lot of big issues in the world today. Some of those issues are things like the environment, challenges with the environment, with global climate change. Issues around healthcare, we hear it every day about our hospitals that are, that are out of limits. Issues around education. If we have kids in school, we know how challenged the education environment is, et cetera. And there's some system that need to be applied to those challenges, but there are also technology opportunities there. And so big, hard problems, technology should be at the table in solving some of those problems. And there's still incredible opportunities for innovative startups and entrepreneurs to create the next trillion dollar company in space. What do you think, Sam? You have, you, you're also an investor in this space. What are your thoughts on the tech sector in this looming recession? 
similar to what Paul is saying, I'm, I think I read a recent statistic that investments from VC firms are down about I mean, close to 50% year over year, which means that it's now smart money. They're going after companies that have a higher chance of success, but they can't take big, bigger risks like they were. So investments are still being made, but not to the degree that they were. Valuations are now getting to a more reasonable level. Again, kind of looking back, and I always think about the founders that we work with from a altitude accelerator perspective that are relatively early. They're going and they're looking for their first seed stage funding. And when they look forward and they think about what's happening in the tech sector, they're kind of frozen. They're not sure whether to stop, go ahead or go backwards. And I know that, Paul, we've talked and I think you have some tips on some of the key things that founders need to think about. So to me, the message is, you know what, you need to be really a serious founder and a serious entrepreneur. I think that we're kind of looking back over the last year or so, as Paul said, there was a lot of money out there. There was a lot of pent up money and demand to invest. And it was an opportunity to stimulate the economy and put what I would call inexpensive money out there to see what was going to stick and what was going to hit. The pendulum always swings back the other way. And those companies or investors put their money on big bets. Now they're coming, pulling back to the other side and really focusing on companies that have what I'd call solid foundations. And I always think the most important thing is making sure that a founder and a company has a really good finance and revenue model before they even talk to an investor. In other words, who's going to buy what you have to sell? We see a lot of speculation, both from an investor perspective and also from a founder perspective. I think the environment that we're in now really should draw people back to the center of the being of your idea. Who's it? Who are you building this for? And who's willing to pay for it? So again, back to basics. Thank you, Pam. Okay, so let's switch topics a little bit and let's talk about this crypto winter that comes with this recession, this apparent recession. This industry has also experienced their own, I guess, overvaluation levels. And I think the biggest news this week was FTX and the acquisition Binance because they weren't able to cover many of the losses that, that they had experienced. By far, one of the top ranked cryptocurrency exchanges, because for the most part, they're trying to keep this industry afloat in the last few months. So the, just to give everyone a sense, this company, FTX, was actually valued at $32 billion a few months ago, and now it's at $1 billion. So this 30-year-old founder has pretty much lost his fortune within one day. So what do you think, if anything... Um, the medium-term impact on this sector, Paul. And what do you think investors need in, in order for this, I guess, type of sector to, to be a viable investment opportunity? So I'm a skeptic. I'm a crypto skeptic. I would say that it's actually not a bill. This morning, it's a dollar this morning. Oh, a dollar. Uh, so yeah, it's, they've filed for bankruptcy and there's some knock-on effects. There's some other exchanges now that are not allowing um, investors to draw funds in the space as well. So clearly you've got some pain going on in the sector, in the crypto sector in general. I've had conversations with Pam about this and, you know, a little friend of mine, Don Tapscott, wrote a book about it. And the underlying technology for crypto is blockchain and blockchain is legitimate technology. And we're seeing 
some great use cases, albeit anecdotal use cases, industry specific use cases for where blockchain is a legitimate alternative to basic databases in the market. And I think you're going to see that, but it's not going to happen overnight. And uh, so I'm supportive of blockchain as an ongoing technology, but I think crypto is large. Me personally, I think crypto is largely multi-level marketing. It's just your friend that is trying to clog some kind of multi-level marketing program. Hey, resell these shampoos or whatever. The people who get in early to multi-level marketing programs make, but the folks who get in late lose money. And what we've really seen with crypto is people who got in late are losing money. And many of those people are the people that can least afford to lose money. Absolutely. So many of our, our laws that we have in the books in North America right now came into place after the 1929 excuse me, 1929 and rules were put in place that you needed to be a relatively sophisticated investor to bet in high risk, uh, environments. And that hasn't been true in crypto, right? So we have lots of unsophisticated investors that have bet in the sectors and those that got in early made some money if they got out, but those that got in late have lost a lot of money on paper, maybe all of it. And not just on sophisticated investors. I note this morning that teachers, the pension fund lost $95 million. And, uh, and if I was on the board of directors of uh, teachers, I might be wondering about the employment of some of the folks that made those decisions. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Pam, you have a comment on the crypto space and blockchain? Now, if I think about crypto as really an alternative to our traditional sort of banking financial systems, right? It's a way to avoid some of the constraints and implications around that. And you can see that some of the bigger institutions are trying to get closer to crypto because they want a piece of crypto. So you can guess and wonder who has impact into some of the changes around the whole crypto platforms and wonder how traditional banks and finance are going to get involved or control of that in some way. That, I don't have a crystal ball to see what direction that's going to be. But I think, again, going back to the fundamentals of crypto, which is blockchain, are legitimate improvement, innovative improvements that have impacted many industries. If I think about one, one really important is supply chain. And blockchain has improved major efficiencies around logistics and transportation and taking out admin costs for things like smart contracts. So I believe in the fundamental backbone, which is blockchain. And of course, we're partnered up with the Canadian Blockchain Supply Chain Association. I see lots of good work that they're doing to help people and companies move their goods. And I believe there's real value into that. Crypto, I think there's a lot of players out there in the space. And I'm not sure who's going to win. Thank you. Sam, do you have any comments on this one? I think it's a multi-level marketing scheme. I don't really believe in crypto. I read a very good article. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal about an engineer who had a very high-paying job in California, but he loved to mine crypto. And he decided he was going to quit his job and mine crypto full-time. And he moved to Nevada because he needed a greater power source. So he went right to the dam, near the dam and he lived there for one year. Uh, and after that, he quit mining crypto. He said, it's all a sham and went back to his engineering job. Did he lose a lot of money? I think he broke even, but he didn't make much. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, just like on that space and the crypto space also, I mean, everybody knows here who who actually, because we support a lot of environmental sustainability is one of the culprits when it comes to when it comes to mining because of the amount of energy sources yeah. that it's using. Yeah. And until it can solve that issue, it's it's going to be, I guess, difficult to get to mainstream. Yeah. Right. And it's unfortunately it relies on many company, many computers, many servers actually uh-huh. doing all those computations in order to validate the information that's on the chain. So, okay. So let's shift to the topic of startups and all of this has an impact on the companies that Altitude Accelerator supports. And for startups who have this resilience to weather the storm, what are they doing now and what, they, what should they be doing? Paul? I think the advice we'd give them now is the same advice that we always give them, right? So a couple things you want, if you're going to start a new business, you have an idea for an entrepreneurial bet, kind of, that you want a big vision. You want to see something that is not being delivered in the market already. You have this big vision for Crocs and kind of stepping in to kind of solve a big problem in the market. So, so you need that big vision. You also, so you need to know that the market opportunity is large enough. You also want to look at the number of competitors that are in your space, right? And so I don't think the opportunities to have big visions has gone away over the last period of time. There are lots of big problems in the world today that can be addressed with technology. There are probably less competitors for you if you're a startup that's executing, and that's maybe a good thing for you. When we talk about what you need to do to be successful, we start with that big vision. And then we say there's five other things that you need. You need to be able to move quickly. So you need to be fast at executing and iterating. We talk about pivoting to new opportunities as your clients or customers take you, train you on where those new opportunities are. You need to have great user experience. So solutions that you deliver to market need to be easier, easy for the, the users to work with. You need to have the ability to hire great talent and retain them. And you need to have a resilient founder, right? And So after you've done those five things, you need to go raise money. So some of those things haven't changed overnight. It's probably easier now to hire and retain great talent in the tech sector than it was six months ago, because there's hundreds of thousands of people that are on the market that are looking for those jobs and they're not going to be offered $300,000 to go work for Meta anymore. Right? So I had, I one startup out of Kingston, really thoughtful, fast moving team, great founder, et cetera. And they, they had two technologists they wanted to hire as their CTOs back in March, April, and they lost both of those candidates, one after another, or mucked apart to, to Meta, who hired them for a lot of money in US dollars. They're not going to lose people to that big company out there for really a lot of money you now. Also, maybe there's an opportunity to hire people for not a low price, but a reasonable salary that, that both the startup can afford and that the individual couldn't live on over the next period of time. So it's a good time to hire, maybe not quite so good a time to raise money, but you've got less competitors as well. And so if you can prove that you have a business opportunity and get some traction in the market, there's less people competing with you for the funds that are there. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I was just going to jump on that. Paul, you mentioned about making sure you know who's in your market and in competitive market analysis. 
That's really important because lots of times we meet up with founders who are solving a problem that they've had, which is good because it shows a passion there, but not necessarily a problem that a lot of people have. So understanding the scope of the market and doing market research on and competitive analysis is really important. And also thinking broadly. So you might be solving a problem that's in your community, but think about how that company is going to scale. You need that to be a problem in many communities. So an opportunity to scale is all about knowing who your market is. That's where centers like Altitude and Accelerator and other regional innovation centers across Ontario can really support founders in doing this because we have the capacity to help dig into market research that can help founders figuring out, should I be turning left instead of right? Is this a big enough problem for me to jump in and create a business to solve? So, so that piece is really important. On the talent piece, I agree with Paul. I think the changes that we're seeing right now in, in big tech is going to provide an opportunities to some of the smaller founders. And I think the challenge is thinking creatively and how you're going to bring that talent into your company when you're really early stage. I know that there's creative ways to do that. One of the ways that might be an option for some founders, as I was just talking to a colleague that's jumped into MyTax, and MyTax has a ton of new programs that are focused on bringing in new sort of graduate students into the workforce. So it could be an opportunity for a first hire for a founder. So I think it's important to look into options like that, that are creative. So instead of saying, okay, I don't have a hundred thousand dollars to bring in a, a developer, look at some of these other tools that are out there. Look for a co-founder, look at uh, possibly bringing in a recent graduate to help you with parts of what you're trying to accomplish. Make sure that the problem that you're solving is a big enough problem for your business to, to scale. Thanks, Pam. That reminds me of the program that we're running with Algoma. And for a lot of founders who, let's say, don't have the capacity because they're kind of doing everything these days to not only do the competitive analysis or try to do some market validation and do surveys, et cetera, our program with Algoma allows students to, to not only understand the problems that, that some of these startups are facing, but they're also augmenting and doing the research for them so they can contribute to the startup strategy. So to your point, thing, there, there are resources out there to help founders, but at the same time, it helps create the knowledge and capacity for students who really want to learn more about this space. So thank you. Sam, do you have any comments about startups? No, I, no, I mean, well, I can comment about the tech part of it. I mean, I agree with Paul. I think though there, there's a time lag here. I think it we won't see a drop in demand for tech people for at least another six months. I had a colleague of mine who was a senior vice president at wealth management from downtown. He had to hire a tech person. And the guy came out and said, I want 130. Here are all my other offers, if you don't believe me. And I'm not coming in. And they hired him. <laughs> so it's still in high demand, but I think that it's coming. That route is coming where we'll have a choice. I also think that we talk about tech like it's one thing. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of sub skill sets in yeah. the technology sector. And some of those skill sets are less in demand today than crypto or less in demand today than yeah. they will definitely. Some of those skill sets are incredibly valuable still. So any kind of machine learning skill set is people are being hired at a premium and there's not, not enough to go around. So 
that's like anything technology evolves. Last decade skills are not in demand anymore, but the current skills that are in demand are incredible. Yeah, I agree. Okay, perfect. Okay, so we're going to cut, we're coming up on time. So I think I'm going to call it for this week. So thank you, Pam, Paul, and Sam for coming and um, weighing in on this important topic as we head into this hopefully not so bad recession in the coming year. If the audience has any topics that you want us to cover, please do so and comment on our LinkedIn page. And uh, I think we will be weighing in on the next topic for next week. So you still have time. And from that end, the happy Friday, happy Remembrance Day, and have a good weekend, everyone. Tech and Censored, an Altitude Accelerator podcast, does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It's produced and distributed by Blue Max. For more Tech and Censored content, subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemax.io to join us on Discord.